Hey y'all, this is Meg Sunga, and you're listening to In Retrospect, a digital dialogue on the life lessons and lived experiences of queer and trans people of color. A queer black Afro-Jamaican femme, Onicia is a provocative visual artist boldly using sexuality and intimacy as an art form. Her boldly styled silhouettes are designed to portray shameless depictions of women and queer folk that are confident in expressing their sexuality and vulnerability. She is currently represented by Hayes Gallery in Berlin. Anywho, we are getting into it. I'm excited. Um, And most importantly, now that I know that I have been saying your name right for all of these years, it makes (laughs) me feel better about my life choices. Woo! Awesome. I am so excited for the In Retrospect fam to get into this episode, y'all. We have a great guest on today, my friend Onicia. She and I go back. Oh, Jesus. Was there a year? When were we RAs? Um, Uh, 2011? 2011. 2011? 2011-2012. We'll put put that. I got hired in 2011. When did you get hired? I got hired in 2011. Okay, perfect. So yes, timelines are matching up. We've slept a little since then. (laughs) So just making sure. Um, But welcome to In Retrospect, Onicia. Um, I wish I could like play the music, but the music is a nice, like subtle, smooth intro into this, and it'll sound a lot nicer (laughs) when we get into editing. But um wanting to let everyone know, let the listeners know um who you are, what you do, and then we're gonna get into who you are bringing into this space, that younger self. Um, yeah, I'm gonna turn it over to you for your intro. Cool. Uh, Well, hey, everyone. My name is Onicia. I'm an artist based in Kansas City, Missouri right now. And uh, let's see, I grew up in California. I currently create art about guiltless sexual expression and intimacy, uh, currently represented by a gallery in Berlin. And I feel like those are like all the like the hot points, like the the bullet points. Yeah, those are some dope ass bullet points. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, people are like, it's so funny. My best friend will be like, this is Onisia. And she's just like reading off like a mental resume of all the shit that I do to people. <laughs> and I love her for it because it's like, I don't have to network anymore. She just does it for me. Right. <laughs> we need those people in our lives, man. We do. She's amazing. But go on. I love it. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, your identities. Yeah. How how do you show up in these spaces? Oh, um, I show up as a queer black woman uh i also say femme sometimes interchangeably i think mm-hmm. like to you know how it is mm-hmm. uh, I'm not gonna, i feel like we know um yep but uh i'm trying to think uh afro jamaican which i kind of am excited to get into because of the uh culture around like homophobia and jamaicans in general mm. um but uh yeah that's just kind of how i'm showing up right now in this space i love it I love it. And when we think about younger you, where are we starting at in your storytelling? How old are you? Who are you? Describe her. Uh, Let's see. She was gangly. She was 14 years old. (laughs) Um, Very gangly. Like, I mean, I think people think I'm skinny now, which I think is like weird to even like what, but I was a gangly, scrawny little thing back then. Um. (laughs) 
and uh, just still figuring things out. But I had a lot of agency growing up with my with my mother because she was my only parent. Um, and uh, I began to be uh, very vocal about things back, like right around that age. And so I wasn't mm-hmm. afraid. Like I had a voice and I was coming into it. And like each year it gets more and more refined and clear. Um, but like this was like me in like in the beginning before I became who I am. Like this is this is the like we're going chapter one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Bring us there. I am ready. I have my tea. I'm ready to to hear the story. Um yeah. So tell me what it was like growing up. Um where you were, where I guess where you grew up specifically and then that experience. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. Like I was there from ages, I mean, from birth till I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was in a predominantly black neighborhood. We actually lived in an apartment complex that was predominantly Jamaican. Wow. And so I was so lucky. Like we had a true community there. Um, And like my mom would leave me with the neighbors all the time and like, like, Jamaican moms are no joke, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> but for real, you know, it was really a community. Um, and uh, there was a turning point, though, because um, with the L.A. Unified School District back then, I can't speak to how it is now, but back then, uh, when I was leaving the fifth grade, I was going to have to enter middle school, and they would have this, like, a track B track system and it would mm-hmm. put me in school for like three months at a time and then take me out. And so I'd be, you know, idle for three months doing God knows what. Mm. And my mom didn't like that for my education or my sisters. And so she took us out and we moved to uh, Coachella Valley, which is where uh, people are familiar with Coachella Fest. Like that's probably the only place I could tell mm-hmm. you all that you would know. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, we, I spent my teen years in the Palm Springs area, which is super wealthy. Uh, we were not wealthy. Uh, wow. Super, super wealthy. I mean, like, gross. Yeah. Um, and then uh, predominantly white. Mm. And so I went from being, like, a predominantly black neighborhood to being around a mostly Jamaican community to being surrounded by, like, mostly Latino and white kids. And mm. it was a, a culture shock and, like – that was really kind of where I began to realize like not everyone is for me and this is a totally different space. And I had to learn to find my identity very quickly at a very young age because I did not fit in and I wasn't going to anymore. Okay. That makes sense. When did you start developing your queer identity? I really didn't begin to learn about like my identity as queer until I was around 13 years old. Mm. And uh, it's much thanks to like reading fan fiction so like uh, yes for real like yes. fan fiction is so gay dude mm-hmm. it's gay as fuck and the beauty of fan fiction is that it's naturally a queer retelling of a story um right and i don't mean queer like gay i mean queer like the the purest sense where it's like a remixing or story retelling of something um and it's odd and unusual but it works um and so like we have in fan fiction you have canon which is like what happens uh in the universe of that tv show that everyone accepts right that's Mm -hmm. like this is what the writers created and then there's like fan fiction which is like an evolution of what the writers created and uh like there would be 
like all kinds of weird shit. I remember reading like Mpreg, which is like the weird. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yes, exactly tell us, tell like. us what it's, nerd shit. Literally, it's Mpreg is like male pregnancy, and so like literally Ooh. it would be like I I would read fan fiction about cartoon characters. I won't say which ones because I'm so fucking embarrassed about it. Um, I'm not. I like to like Meg. I'm taking that shit to the grave. Okay. Okay. To okay. the fucking grave. I will never admit that. You could pull out all my pinky toes and like I. I don't care. I'm not saying it. Talk me all you want. Um, no, but there would be like M preg, which is like male pregnancy, and there would be like uh, I think it's like I call it Yahweh, but maybe it's pronounced a different way. It's spelled mm. Y A O I, which just means like gay characters or gay pairings. Um, Ooh, and people just okay. like, ship all kinds of people together that have like it, all kinds of weird relationships. So, like, fan it. fiction in nature is just like the community is very queer. The nature of fan fiction and writing it is queer. Um, and so that was like my mm. real first taste in like understanding and expanding my knowledge around queerness. And then, of course, when I was like 14 years old, I had my first crush on a girl, but I didn't even know it back then. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. so she was this like beautiful, statuesque, young black woman. She was like, she was my age. I mean, I don't know why I called her a woman, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but we were both freshmen, and I remember like just wanting to be around her all the time, like all the time. Uh, yeah. She was super smart. I remember she, she was a cheerleader, and mm. like I just remember being attracted to her in a way that wasn't necessarily like I want to be your friend. It was way mm-hmm. deeper than that. Okay. Um, but I didn't really know that it was a crush until I was like 20 years old. Right. Ah, uh, okay. And so, uh, so I went through that phase. I also forgot, like, so I, I, I always forget this cause I'm like, it's such a shame. I don't want to say shameful, but not a part of my life that I'm very proud of. Um, but I, like, I had an internet boyfriend from like ages. I was talking to Justin from ages 14 to 18. But we didn't really start like dating till I was sixteen years old, um, and Justin was like super queer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised today, like if I found out Justin was actually trans. Um, I have no idea of knowing because we stopped talking. I broke up with him when I was eighteen, um, and then he gave me that really sorry phone call a year later, and I was like, "Dude, we can't do this anymore." Oh shit! Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, was, I, was, I don't want to say I'm hard, Damn. but uh, <laughs> um, it is what it is. What it is. Yeah. No, but, uh, yeah, I was talking to Justin. Justin was, like, very queer. Uh, he always liked to wear his hair a certain way, and sometimes he would, like, he would, he was very femme in a lot of ways, and he would also wear women's clothing sometimes. Like, he would wear his mom stuff. Um, I also should have said this. His, his mother was also a lesbian. Um, and so he had, like, her mother, he grew up around that already, right? Got it. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, but Justin was one of the reasons why I moved to Arkansas and went to school there. Uh, I wouldn't. Oh, I, like, we I was wondering to, how you ended up in Arkansas. The truth is that we were supposed to go to school together, and then he dip, he dipped on me, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, I was like, I'm not changing my mind. I'm going to go to school here. Um, oh shit. Yeah, but also Arkansas was significantly way more affordable than the UC system. Like, Holy shit! I got accepted to UCLA and usc and i remember just being like my mom and i were like bro we can't like this tuition like boo boo 
boo boo. Wow. I mean, um, not surprising, but like, wow. Yeah. So I ended up going to University of Arkansas because the grant system in California and the scholarship, like, even though I was awarded like $10,000 in scholarship, it, it, was, it wasn't going to put a dent in what right. the UC system needed. It wasn't right. going to do it for me. So I went to school at the University of Arkansas instead. Um, and I'm still paying for it. But no, so Justin's how I ended up at the U of A. Um, and then, of oh. course, uh, I took classes with Lisa Corrigan, who is a phenomenal professor at the University of Arkansas. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Lisa is brilliant. Um, and she's also like a hard ass bitch, though. Uh, oh. and she's proud of that. Mm. She's very proud of that. But, all right. Uh, all right. No, uh, Lisa taught courses in the civil rights movement and grassroots movements. She also taught uh, things about feminism, about sexuality, gender, race. And so I didn't have the language to talk about my queerness until Mm -hmm. I was like 20 years old. And it's because Lisa gave me like the dictionary and the dialogue. Um, Wow. So I ended up taking like five different courses with Lisa. And like, I remember people my age like like were like you're fucking crazy like holy shit like i hate this bitch and i'm just like dude lisa's brilliant like i like i feel like i've only ever i've had a lot of teachers in my life but there are only a handful that really really truly taught me things that i valued sure Um, and lisa was one of them um but yeah she she like still cheers me on like even like even on instagram she's just like oh my god congratulations on your berlin shit and i'm like what thank you like i didn't even realize you existed but okay thanks i love that, <laughs> I love that. yeah but uh lisa is totally tight if you have a chance to have a beer with her at the u of a like highly recommend it but don't piss her off though uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no lisa that. gave me like the dialogue to begin to talk about my queerness and so it was around like 20 years old that like I never fully identified as heterosexual, okay. but it was around that age, around 20, where I began to, if people asked me, I'd be like, I'm queer. And okay. I remember like there was a few nights where I would like, I remember I had a crush on a friend of mine in a friend group that I'm happy like that. That was some like, look, there was just too much drama happening. It was bullshit. <laughs> uh, I'm a, like, I was... I understand that everyone's evolving, but I was already so grown at such a young age, and the right. amount of dumb shit that I was putting up with that friend group, I'm like, bro, I'm so happy I like don't talk to most of them anymore. Uh, funny fact, the chick that I had a crush on, I still talk to now. Um, oh, okay. We, I mean, she's just, she's always been very beautiful, and everyone was attracted mm-hmm. to her, and it's a big surprise. And I remember we, like, made out one night at a party, and like i feel like we were about to like get to the point where we're like we're gonna fuck um and And did uh, you no we almost i like she's just like let's just like go back to the party and make out with more people i'm like all right sure whatever um Mm. but uh i remember like being like man i wish i could have boned her and uh i never had that chance again but uh no i just remember like really being attracted to her and i like remember masturbating thinking about her uh like all this stuff right so uh again like never really shied away from being queer i just like never had the dialogue to really talk about it and uh that that was one phase and then or not phase but like part of my life yeah Um, but how old were you how old would you say sorry i don't mean to cut you off you're, you're good what's up um how old like 
would you say you realized you weren't straight? Like if you could give a number. I would say 20. 20. Okay. 20. Okay. Um, yeah. And, gotcha. Uh, I like, and the, one of the, I feel like people dog on the, like the term queer all the time. Sure. And I, I feel like sexuality, I not feel like, I know it's constantly evolving as we get older, you know, who you're attracted to changes over time. The way mm-hmm. that you love changes over time. And so sexuality truly is a spectrum, right? Where we're just constantly, the same way that grief is like a spectrum of waves. It's the same way that queerness is or just your sexuality in general, right? So yeah. someone could be poly one day and realize they're monogamous the next. And that's normal. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because gender or blah, genderality what what is that word um, because <laughs> sexuality is so fluid i've always just liked the label queer right because mm. like i could be someone else or attract to something else totally different tomorrow but right. like i've never been just like i'm hetero um i also know that a lot, a lot of the people that i've dated uh throughout my life have been queer you know so um yeah, I just never really like being hetero. Just never really stuck. It just like I don't even think I had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have a chance, y'all. Didn't even have a chance. Um, I love that you took us down this journey of a providing the context of how you were able to, you know, where your education started, your queer education started, right? With that teacher and being able to to find the language to use, to understand and then use for yourself um, versus people giving you those labels, right? Like you're able to decipher and, and unpack like what fits and works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so important. So lucky that you had that experience. Um, and so shout out to your professor. That yeah. sounds amazing. And I think people need, need more of those people in their lives for Love sure. You, <laughs> Love you, Lisa, wherever you are. I want to know as far as like the racial aspect of you moving to Arkansas, mm. how that felt ooh, for you. Ooh, okay. So I don't mm-hmm. know if we, we talked about this, but like when I moved, we talked about uh, moving from LA to like a predominantly white area when I was in elementary school and like mm-hmm. going to middle school and high school and like I was definitely like one of the only two three black kids in my whole class and I Mm. when I graduated senior class I graduated with 22 other black kids and there was 472 of us the entire school I mean in my class so it's just like that's just like the racial disparity right Mm -hmm. um and in Arkansas this is kind of interesting because like there is I don't I I remember reading in because you know you have those books when you're in high school and they like are giving you a glimpse of the school like here's the population and here's what they're good for and it's a party school or it's an academic you know shit like that right i remember reading about arkansas and i think arkansas had like a student population that was black of like six percent so it's like really really fucking small sure um and it felt like that when i got there too um even though arkansas is a southern state um, there are a lot of people that want to fight me that it's not Arkansas is the fucking South. Okay. It's the South. It's the yeah, South. we're good. <laughs> like it's the Midwest. I'm like, sit the fuck down. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, y'all were hunting gear to class. Sit down. <laughs> um <laughs> Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Oh, she's not wrong. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, so Arkansas is the South. And uh there it's not a per- it's a it's it's not a historically black college. And there, I, you know, looking back at my academic career, there are some times where I wish I'd given HBCUs a chance. 
Mm. You know, I th- I would love mm-hmm. to think that I would have thrived at Spelman. Yeah. You know. Um, I could see that for you. Oh, right. For sure. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Brown was one. I almost applied to Brown University and I talked myself out of going to an Ivy League school um, because I didn't what? think I was good enough. And what, Meg, what kills me is that I graduated with a 4.2 GPA from high school. Damn. I was, a, I, I mean, I am a smart person. I downplay my, yes. my intelligence a lot, but I'm fucking a brilliant person. And I told myself <laughs> I couldn't get into Brown. I was like, there's no way. What? Yeah. My counselor's like, you need to apply. I was like, no, I'm not going to get in. Um, imposter syndrome she's a bitch y'all i know for real though bitch Uh, i'm happy i went down the path i did but uh no arkansas uh i feel like i i was already so different you know Mm -hmm. because now i i'm this black kid who's afro jamaican american who went to like grew up in a black area and then moved to a predominantly white area and then like learned to you know fit in as well as they could then and so right. now I like don't even fit in with the black kids anymore because now I'm, like I'm fucking valley like I went to the south sound like a fucking valley girl, right? Mm. And so it's like where do I fit? And it goes back to that me learning how to find my community in the best way that I can. And so yeah. I just hung out with all the fucking nerds. It didn't matter where they were from. Um, mm-hmm. And lucky for me, like I was in Pomfret, and Pomfret was like where all the quote unquote smart kids like were, you know, like the fucking <laughs> nerds were all put in one spot because we're nerds. Um, this and, is uh, also facts. What did you do live in Pomfret? Were you there or were you? I, <laughs> oh, I did not live in Pomfret, but I know the type of kids that did. Yeah. These are facts. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jesus. Uh, I, sometimes I wish I had like a chance to go to another dormitory um, and like, like there because Pomfret was a special place. Um, but no, uh, I found my niche in Pomfret because like all the smart or almost all the smart kids were there, but all the nerds were in one spot. And so like it was safe to like animate. It was safe to talk about, you know, strategy games or to be mm. an engineering student and be a nerd, you know. And yeah. so I just kind of like nestled myself in that community of being nerd nerdy. And that's kind of how I made it work for me. Um, I love that. And my RA, like, she loved me and she hated me. And, like, I still text. I texted her, like, maybe a month ago, actually. Um, <laughs> I you feel know, that. The housing clicks got to stick together. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but uh, I just remember, like, being that kid that, like, had, like, knew everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I had a lot of friends back then. I mean, I still do. Um, but, yeah, no. I feel like I forgot what the question was. I've already been put on so much. <laughs> How was coming to Arkansas as a, I guess, yeah, this is just like the transition yeah. in communities and experiences. I think you answered it great. Yeah, I answered well. I mean, because I made friends everywhere. Like when I was, when I was younger, I don't, I don't know if we got this in the original take or not, but like my dad was very abusive to my mom, my, my family. And so, like, we moved around all the fucking time. Like, literally, like, one day I'd be going to school, the next day I wouldn't be going to school anymore. And so I mm-hmm. learned to develop friendships really quickly because I had to learn how to make friends early in life. Right. Um, and so, like, I brought that skill with me when I moved to Arkansas. Um, and I carry it with me now, even as an adult. Like, people are like, you're so good at networking. And, like, I just literally, I'm just I'm just radically vulnerable when I meet people. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But, you know, that's because I had to learn the hard way um, and survive yeah. that way. But uh, yeah, I was I was hanging out with the nerds in Pomfret, and uh, it was it was interesting. It was very interesting. I love that. 
I love that. I'm trying to remember the first time we crossed paths. And I want to say it was probably like an RA interview or either an RA like training. (laughs) I'm really trying to remember, but it has been a minute. So I can't like pinpoint any time. I just remember going when, when I was an RA, I remember hearing your name a lot. And (laughs) (laughs) because I just, I felt like, you know, your persona was very like, she's very involved. She's very on top of it. Everybody knows Anisia. Like, you know, if you want to get a program done or if you, you know, need an example of like the standard, you were the one that everyone kind of pointed to. Oh, and wow. so, so <laughs> y'all, I was barely functioning back then, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And I think that's why, like, I think even after graduation, because like, you know, you back in, you know, this is like pre-Instagram social media days, like you're just kind of friends with whoever on your campus. And there are people on Facebook that I really don't give a fuck and still am friends with and or follow. Um, But with you, I consistently and like consciously made effort to like see what you were doing like all these years because it's been fun to watch you grow from where we started as little baby RAs in, you know, the South um, at this crazy institution that we went to. Um, But yeah, like I I genuinely liked who you were then and getting to see and reconnect with you now has been really fun. Oh, don't make me cry. (laughs) Emotions. Ah, get away. No, I appreciate you. And I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about your experiences. Yeah, I'm this is sorry, I don't mean to interrupt with I'm having fun. Good, good. Um, we are going to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're gonna get into the whole kit and caboodle. This is hashtag throwback Thursday, pop culture edition, um, all of the fun stuff. We're gonna get into it. Um, So for all the listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Here in retrospect, we love to talk about sex. But as most of the guests and I have mentioned time and time again, our sex ed sucked and we navigated our lives the best we could. I decided to reach out to my good friend and feminist sex educator, Cassandra Corrado, for an exclusive chat on my Patreon channel. And if you haven't checked that out yet, please do. But I wanted to tell y'all why you should check out Cassandra's website, feministsexed.com. Cassandra is a trauma-informed, queer-inclusive sex educator who works to help adults unlearn sexual shame and live more pleasurable lives. She offers free resources, such as a sex tracker template, worksheets, and even online classes to unlearn all the toxic nonsense. Plus, provides private coaching if you want to have a little extra support. She even has really cute sex-positive swag, and I definitely encourage y'all to buy yourselves a crop top. 
Everything you need to unlearn sexual shame, unlock pleasure, and heal our relationships with sex. Start your next chapter in your sexual wellness journey by going to www.feministsexed.com and save 15% on anything in the store with code RETRO15. That's R-E-T-R-O-15. Thanks, y'all, and let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for taking a break. Hope y'all grabbed a snack grabbed a blanket, whatever you need to finish out this episode. Um, But we're back now to get into the whole kit and caboodle with my friend Onicia, the artist, the most wonderful story uh, time that we've had in a long time. I hope that y'all were laughing as much as I was because there are some good moments in there. (laughs) Um, But we're about to get into the whole kit and caboodle. Um, Onicia, before we recorded, I actually asked... Um, her to say how she pronounces her name because we had a moment of realizing that I've known Onesia since like 2011. I've said Onesia my entire life, but I was very nervous if that was how I, you know, she actually says it. So I gave her the moment to either correct me if I was wrong or confirm if I was right. Um, And I was right, y'all. But I also want to know about childhood nicknames that you might have had. I feel like people called you Oni back in college and that may or may not be wrong. Um, But take us down that. Tell, Tell us all the nicknames. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. So let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let's start from the beginning. When I was born, like, my mom is dyslexic. I, like, we should start right there. And okay. so, uh, when, like, my name was put being put on application, she spelled it one way, and her handwriting is just so unusual that, like, I could see how someone could just be like, this is, we're just gonna make a, they're like, I'm making a call, I'm gonna make this a letter. And <laughs> mm. that's called me my whole life. So on all my legal documents, I'm actually spelled Onicia with an E, except for one, and it's the one that matters. Uh, I'm not going to tell y'all, but, like, that being said, uh, I go by O-N-N-I, and that's how it's supposed to be spelled. Um, But growing up, my my nickname has always been Oni, and I always spelled it O-N-N-I-E. And my sister calls me Oni. Whenever she texts me that, like, that's what it is. Oni is a pet name. And the mm. reason why my mom called me Oni is because, like, in her accent, it sounds like honey. Because oh. she's Jamaican, right? So it sounds like honey. And uh, when – so – and she also had a best friend back then that was also named Oni. And so it just kind of stuck, right? Huh. I've, all, I've been called all kinds of, like, mean nicknames that I'm not going to read, retell, like, retell because, like, that's just family shit. And we – like, sure. if you call me that to my – like, there are some things where, like, my family calls me it because it's, like, a loving term of endearment. But it's also kind of, like, a little bit, like, mm-hmm. teasing slash condescending. Um, yeah, like if someone yep. called me out to my face, I would fucking punch their fucking teeth out. Like, there's <laughs> just some things that, like I mentioned earlier, like how I was like really gangly as a 14 year old. Mm-hmm. My mom would call me like her long foot pitney sometimes, which just means like I'm a <laughs> no, I'm serious, and literally just means that I have long feet and that I'm her child. And I do have oh. long feet and I'm her child, but if someone else <laughs> called me that, I would fucking clock them in the face. <laughs> Like this one guy was just like, oh, you're pigeon-toed, like, while I was walking down the street in my heels. And I wanted to punch him in the fucking face for talking about my feet like that. Oh, uh, but my mom, like, will call me that as a kid. And, my like, my grandfather does. Like, everyone, like, my aunties do it. Like, it's just a thing. But that's yeah. not really a, like, a nickname. Like, how it's just, like, a way to tease me, you know? Um, Yo. we're, we Like, we're – Jamaicans are all about the banter, dude. Like, that's just, like, the whole culture is just bantering. 
Um, I think that is like an it's either a black or brown and or island person thing because Filipinos do the same thing. They the nicknames that they use for each other, you know, quote unquote terms of endearment are very um, blunt and sometimes kind of abrasive. So like my nickname with my family is either um, uh, Chopal, which in I guess loosely translated um, is a steamed bun, <laughs> Chinese steamed bun, because I'm a like very pale and fluffy, chubby kid when I was growing up, yeah. um, or very pointedly uh, piggy. My family called me piggy because um, I was a chubby kid, yeah. and they still call me that sometimes. And it's like, y'all, that's also like you said, if anyone else called me that, I'd be so mad. Yeah. But yeah, and I would also say my mom told me about how like on the island there would be people like cousins or whatever, and like one guy's name was like Carmelo Camatis, um, but which basically translates to Carmelo is the name, but Camatis is a tomato in the in Filipino or in Tagalog, and basically Carmelo had a big nose that was shaped like a tomato, and that's oh, no. why they called him Carmelo Camatis. And I'm like, you guys are asshole. <laughs> Oh my god but, but i'm like learning that's normal loving though right <laughs> yeah i'm like what <laughs> you you don't understand definitely would not fly in like today's culture of like just you know super accepting super affirming like call me by the name and the pronouns and everything that i choose for myself uh yeah this would not no 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 none of that but we no. we get it we get it but, like, I also – so I really want to tell you how Oni ended up sticking because, like, yeah. Oni was not what I went by when I came to college. Like, mm. I, like no one called me Oni until, like, a specific day in history. Oh, uh, yes. So I was in RIC – RIC is, like, the Residence Inner Hall Congress, for those of you who don't know. And basically it's, like, the governing house – like, the governing student body of the housing population on a university campus. And ours was called RIC. And I, I, I was like something like in communications or media or some shit like that. And mm-hmm. I remember we would have meetings every night, uh, not every night, but like once a night after hours, like probably in the evening, like six, seven o'clock. And we would have meetings as like an executive team. And the president, who's also a really good friend of mine, his name was Cameron, who yes. is such an angel. Like, I mean, also, I had a crush on Cameron back then. Oh, my God. This is so funny. Um, so I had a crush on Cameron. Hang on. Real quick. Real quick. Take a side story. I had a crush on Cameron, who's very gay today, if you don't know him. Cameron um, Nassar. And, uh, like, I remember, like, being in love with Cameron and hanging out with him all the time. And then he comes out to me. Uh, I, I think I was one of the first friends he came out to. And oh. I felt so honored. And he was so nervous and scared. I, I Maybe, I don't know if I, it was such an intimate moment in our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember being like, it's totally fine. And he's like, I suspect you had a crush on me. I'm like, I do, but like, I like, like everything just changed in that moment. I was like, we talked for like three hours at this coffee shop that I've never been back to again. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, it was just like well, a beautiful moment in history. And I remember we like had burritos from Chipotle and we had like lattes from Starbucks in the same eating or like same sitting. And then we like walked it off afterwards, but no. So, uh, anyway, that was funny. Uh, but so I remember Cameron was a president and he kept calling me Onisia with like a short eye, like Onisia, Onisia, Onisia. And I remember one day I was like, Cameron, I like slammed my hand on the table. I was like, it's Onisia, Onisia. Like, I mean, like in front of, I mean, like the most obnoxious shit. There's literally a room of like 15 people. And I'm just like, Onisia is how you say my name. 
And uh, <laughs> like I oh, had like no. a mini freak out over the situation. And at that point in our friendship, he like, he like, I already talked about my mom and like what my family called me. And in that moment, Cameron was like, I'll just call you Oni. Because he knew that my family called me Oni and it was a pet name, right? Uh-huh. And so, uh, and it's not like I accepted it because I'm like, okay, I can acknowledge that as a name because it is, it was what I went by with my family. And Cameron at that point was kind of sure. family to me. And so, uh, so that happened. But Cameron, who fucking knows everybody on campus, starts tell like talking to me like, oh, his this is Oni, this is Oni, this is Oni, and so Oni ended up sticking. Um, and so my my best friend at the time accidentally like renamed me by like without even meaning to, um, and like branded me as Oni. And uh, it wasn't until very recently when I started developing my art career that I'm like, my name is Onisia, and that's what I want to go by. And I hope to be a full on mononym at some point, and if I'm not already one. Right, like hey. I want it to be Onisia. My name, like you Google Onisia right now, and I'm, that's probably how you got those pictures, Meg. I know that it is. Googled my name and this shit came up. But you Google my name and it's like literally like I'm probably the only person that comes up besides like Nissan or some other bullshit. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just me, and uh, I want it to be yeah. like that is my name. My mom tells me it means queen. Uh, yes. and phonetically someone told me like when I was, my mom always like mixed up my sister in, in my name and she said one means like morning star and one means Onisi or one means queen. And Aww. I remember working when I was in high school, like at JCPenney in the shoe department, cause I was trying to pay for college. Cause you know, shit's expensive. Shit's expensive. <sighs> you know, I was already hustling at that age. God, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> 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 Let me tell you. But no, this gentleman came to me uh, when I was like closing down the apartment with like, a couple other colleagues. And he was like, how do you pronounce your name? And I was like, it's Onisia. And he's like, I went to Ethiopia and that means queen. And I was like, I'll be, I'll be damn. My mom was right all these years, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that still holds true, but I've, I've got Michelle and I've got one cur- confirmed studi- student of Ethiopian telling me that my name means queen, so... It might not be true. I don't really fucking know. And I don't really care at this point. Because at this point, that's what it means to me. And we're going to keep it that way. Because that's the story. And I'm sticking to it. That's right. Um, Yes, queen. I love it. I love it. And I will say, yes, I, even in my show notes, in the script, I literally just have you as Onisi the artist. Like, that's it. That's all I had. Didn't even have the last name. So we're okay with that. We're fine. We're going to own it. And that is what we're moving forward with. Um, I love that Oni and Onisia. Yeah. Say it right, y'all. Yeah. Just know you got to say it right. Yeah. Also, um, uh, for the people that are Japanese, I am not a demon, but I can be one if you need me to. Um, because um, when you spell Oni O N I, that's a Japanese demon. It's like literally a troll monster. So uh, that's a thing too. It's also like a like a comic book or video game character, but you know, huh. we don't have to get into all of that. All right, um, listen, your nerd is showing, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. Um, cool. I love that. I love those stories. And I'm really glad to have learned a little bit how, or to, excuse me, I'm glad to know who brought the Oni onto campus. That mm-hmm. And it makes 100% sense. That is very much, I can see Cameron 100% in that. So yeah. that makes me smile. <laughs> um, Onisi, let's talk about music. What were you listening to back in the day? Who was in your headphones? Who were you bopping out to as younger you? Oh, man. Uh, so this actually goes back to my relationship with Justin. 
uh, when I was like 14 and he introduced me to Marilyn Manson, um, which like, listen, okay, listen real quick. Just right quick. Mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson is a piece of shit in my book right now. <laughs> and yeah. I just want you to know that after almost 20 years of dis- defending this fucker, I'm so disappointed in this man. Like mm-hmm. I like literally like I'm in my closet right now recording this and there's like a Marilyn Manson tea just discard it in a corner somewhere because mm. I'm just upset with how he like failed me as a person. Yeah. Um, but no, I was listening to Marilyn Manson uh, Evanescence because I was like an emo goth kid back in the day. Like another mm. queer clue. Um, yes. <laughs> oh all God. the clues, y'all. I I literally wore these like platform goth boots to school all the time. Oh yeah. Oh my God, I was oh dude, I was so. Ugh. I mean, like, I, like, it's still. You see remnants still. Like, it's still there. It hasn't yeah, gone of away. Course. But uh, I loved it. Yeah, no, I was listening to Marilyn Manson and Evanescence. I was really getting into rock back then. Uh, the first rock band that I really recall listening to that I loved was mm-hmm. um, the Killers. That was hey. my, introduction, my introduction into rock music. And so this is this is this. So right quick. Uh, I went to Canada to visit my grandfather for the first time. Um, okay. And, he, like, again, my whole family's Jamaican, but he lived there. And mm-hmm. I would remember, like, reading fan fiction, like, while I was in Canada. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah, naturally. naturally. What else are you doing? Right. But uh, I remember like, the Killers came on while I was, like, listening to music. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And I remember, like, that was, like, the first, like, introduction. It was Mr. Brightside. Like mm-hmm. it was my introduction into rock music, and from there, I just kind of like went like deeper and darker into rock music that was like sad and moody, and uh, yeah. But like those two really, really were super important to me. Um, that they stand out the most. There was also like AFI, but they sp- they fucking sold out my senior year. They went mainstream. They were like, "We're gonna be alternative now and be like <laughs> boys like girls." I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" You went from Miss Murder to like uh, I don't even know. I was so mad at them. Um. <sighs> I was into Muse. Oh, I was like a huge Twilight fan, which like just like another side note. I really so I liked Twilight before it became like the whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mean, so there, there I remember very clear waves, right? So like I remember writing I wrote to tell you how bad it was, like freshman year I wrote a book report on Twilight and I presented it to the class. Oh god. Because like, <laughs> no one knew what it was back then. I was into vampires. I still am I'm like, literally I'm going to watch a Dracula remake tonight. Um, like yeah. that was the like the anime premiere like Castlevania is coming out it's a Dracula retelling of the story I'm gonna watch that later vampires are very important to me and uh, I remember I was talking about vampires to a friend of mine uh, in high school and she's like you need to read Twilight if you like vampires and I'm like all right fuck it let's do it and like I remember like va- like vampires were cool but my issue with Twilight is that it's like it's such a hetero storytelling of vampires it was like mm-hmm. very hetero very christian very monogamous and mm-hmm. i'm like dude can you imagine if twi- just like first like everyone just with me for just 10 seconds mm-hmm. imagine if twilight was gayer mm. wouldn't that be a way more sexy story yes if twilight was gayer i think it would have been a lot more successful and not frowned upon the way that it is right now <laughs> i'm serious and like, <laughs> like I for a minute I was yes. reading Twilight fan fiction to kind of satisfy that need for me, um, so yeah, yeah I just like I mean, Twilight just had it's, had it's had so much more room to be gayer, but it wasn't. But uh, no, uh, I was reading Twilight back then. Um, the music was emo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. 
that was yep that was you. That was Listen, girl after my heart, because I'm very much same. I was deep into my emo-ness. Honestly, I'm pretty still actually the same. I still listen to all the same shit, let's right. be real. Um, but The Killers, for sure. I love The Killers. And I will never forget when I got to see them live, like, I want to say a couple years ago. Mm. And they they still hit me as hard as they did back when I was in high school. So, Damn. no, the love is still there. Um, and also to your problematic favorite of Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to come to terms with like some of the people that we loved back in the day are just terrible trash cans. Yeah. And that doesn't take away from like some of the really great art that they created. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to like figure out how to separate the art from the artist. Yeah. And it's a little bit difficult for certain people, but hey. Yeah. If that was, you know, they, if there's good bops, there's good bops. Like, you can't deny it. You're right. Uh, there's this – have you seen High Fidelity, the TV show? I loved High Fidelity. Uh, okay. So there's, like, there's this bit, and I think you probably remember this, where they talk about, like, problematic musicians mm -hmm. and all the shit that they've done. And it's, like, we take a moment where we can separate the musician and compartmentalize what they've done versus the music they've created. And they're, like, all – at the end of the day, like, everyone's a piece of shit. Right. And we all know that. Like, everyone's a shitty person. And if we could separate those, or maybe we can acknowledge them. I don't even know, you know. But if you can just accept that and still enjoy the music because it helps you, that's okay. You know, mm. but also, like, I'm not streaming. I'm not going to stream Manson anymore. Like, if yeah. I find a fucking Antichrist Superstar Mint Condition record player or record sitting down <laughs> somewhere, I'm going to fucking buy it. Okay. But that's because I'm p supporting an independent record store, not Manson at that point anymore. Right 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 and like if right. i just i mean like i know what that album is and it's iconic yeah okay but also i'm not proud of that it's just gonna be a, like a guilty i think that pleasure can be guilty i don't believe in guilty pleasure but in that one i will allow it to be a guilty one um yeah and like listen to it on days when i really need it but mm. <sighs> yeah it hurts it hurts mm. um i'm trying to think of like other things that were like gay back then oh lady gaga which should have been like an i like Duh. Just, Duh. Like, <laughs> Duh. <laughs> All, anyone who listened to Lady Gaga um, back when she did Just Dance to now, y'all yeah. are gay. All yes. of you. Uh, Sorry. Well, I don't make the rules. For me, I think what my – so I remember I was teaching – like I was working again doing the hustle because, you know, I've got to pay for college shit. And I was yeah. working at the YMCA, and I remember this kid was singing Lady Gaga – and she was singing about like this di the disco stick, you know. She's like, "Let's mm, have some mm -hmm. fun." And like, this chick is like, "This little girl is like six years old." Oh, what the fuck, you know about? I was like, "You need to stop singing that right." But I'm like, literally, I was like, "What is this song?" I'm like, "Let me pull up LimeWire real quick." I'm oh, like, not LimeWire. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just like, this shit. This this is a bop. And like, mm -hmm. disco stick was my intro into Gaga, and I like, I that stuck, you know. Um. But yeah, Lady Gaga mm. was another, that was another queer flag. Um, yeah, as far as music goes, I'm trying to think of other things that were obvious. That were like, oh yeah, that was it. I don't know. I don't know. And it's okay. You can come back to it if anything pops up. Yeah. Like, just chime in. Um, let's talk about crushes. First crush and or celebrity crushes back in the day. Oh. Oh. Mm. I didn't really question celebrities until I was in college. Mm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I take that back. I take that. I take it back. I take it back. Hang on one second. So, 
I had so I have like two of my first like celebrity white boy crushes. <laughs> Listen, and I know I've, you probably read my letter, which we're gonna get to later. But anyway, uh, my first like two like notable white boy crushes were Henry Cavill when he was. Mm. So I read The Count of Monte Cristo my freshman year in high school with that one chick. We had like literally a group together, and the mm-hmm. chick that I had a crush on was in that group with me. Um, and then we watched the movie together, and I was like, oh my god, Henry Cavill is fucking beautiful. Like, listen, I have a thing for like giant foreheads and forehead wrinkles. I don't know what it is, but like, he's screaming. What? I'm screaming. Oh, you yeah. said giant forehead yes, wrinkles. I have a thing for people with a five head. Um, I don't know how to describe it. And like, as much as the five head, you gotta have the wrinkles. If you don't have both, it's not gonna cut it for me. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah, right. but like Henry right. Cavill has this beautiful forehead, and I'm just like, oh my god, like he's so beautiful, and he played Albert in the Count of Monte Cristo film, right? Oh, because I was reading that book for a class, and I like watched the, I read the book unabridged, by the way. Really Ooh. proud of that. I read Count of Monte Cristo unabridged, and then I fucking watched the movie afterwards, and Henry Cavill stole my heart. He was like my first real white boy crush. Wow. And then there was Chris Pine, who was in the Princess Diary film, the second one. Wow. And he's also got another big, like another thick forehead with the fo- like. He listen, does. listen. Wow. Yeah, but Chris Pine. Oh my God. Like, and to this day, I'm just like, oh wow, wow. Just beautiful creatures. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. Oh my God. Sorry, I'm just. I just need, like, <laughs> Let's take a right moment now. to just. Mm. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I think I think those are actually pretty like except not not that like anybody else would not be acceptable but like those are like safe answers like they're but they are I have taste good. though right <laughs> <laughs> also I clocked these men before anybody else did like I'm serious like who was looking I mean Chris Pine was beautiful in like Princess Diaries but like we really don't see Chris Pine until he, he is like the Star Trek phase right that's true like nobody that is like, true like he had like darker colored hair back then he was so much more awkward too yeah, he was an awkward he fucker. Re- I mean, yeah. he still is now, but like, just like very awkward as an actor. Um, and I like like Anne Hathaway and her fucking doe eyes like just kills me every time. Um, <laughs> her giant saucers. Yes, but like, and like, who was looking at Henry back in the Count of Monte Cristo as a side character? Nobody, but I did. I saw, mm. I saw the talent. I was like, that man's beautiful. Um, I'm gonna have to look back at that because I completely didn't realize he was in that yeah like henry like stole my heart he was like the real true first white boy crush and like still is on top like top of my list like if like listen if henry and janelle monet were like hey i want to run with you run away with you tomorrow i'm like let me like literally i will set my apartment on fire i will be right there i will be right there yep Um, yeah yeah i mean listen if they they can get it that's it is what it, it is what it is yes it is what it is um as far oh, as women though man. i didn't i didn't really have a crush on like i had a crush on janelle monet in mm. my college years and like anyone who knew me back then was like they knew i was obsessed right right and like janelle oh my god i just like i don't think janelle ever wants to get married but like fuck dude like janelle <laughs> like i janelle wasn't even queer yet she was right like, she, i mean she was but she didn't she wasn't publicly queer she just literally i remember watching interviews and she's like i identify as an android and yep, i thought that was so cool like i'm like what does that even mean you know <laughs> and no and and really like it was like that until maybe until she came out with dirty computer right um, right and that was and but she was hinting at being queer in her album and this is like i'm like i'm deeply rooted in janelle right 
Um, I'm yeah. a diehard fan. But in her album, uh, Electric Lady, which came out before Dirty Computer, um, mm-hmm. she talks about, like, having these queer tendencies. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Like, she's finally telling the story that I've been <laughs> wanting to hear for so long. And, it like, it made it okay for me. To, like, I was going through the same kind of evolution around the time those albums were coming out. Yeah. Of, like, figuring it out. And, uh, excuse me, it, like it really solidified when she came out as being pan after dirty computer dropped. Mm. And I was just like, Oh my God, Janelle, I'm so proud of you. But also like, bitch, I've been new. Like, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yep. That's the uh, reaction. Always. Yeah, I was, I mean, black women just do something for me. I don't even know how to describe it. Like her Tenariel, which I don't know if anyone's following Tenariel, but like Tenariel is clearly God's favorite. Like, I don't care what anybody says, like fuck Henry, fuck Chris. I'm sorry, Janelle, but also fuck off. But, like, Tenariel is obviously God's favorite. Mm. Um, she's, like, a fucking... She's, like, six... I don't even know how... She's, like, six feet seven. I don't even know. Holy like, she's shit. Like a, she's a gigantress. She's just got the... Like, she's just fucking perfect, man. It's mm. terrible. I mean, it's great for her, but damn. Like, <laughs> But damn for me. For real, though. Like, I don't stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as long as we know... It is what it is. It's fine. I love that. You're putting me on some people, so I appreciate getting uh, getting to know uh, who to check out next. Um, let's talk about – you had mentioned uh, some of the, the items that you used to wear <laughs> and what you – the fashion trends used to rock. I want to know about the most embarrassing one. Oh, man. And I don't know if it was embarrassing – like how I like I just thought it was hot. Okay. Um <laughs> also fair. Um so I remember like going through like this like weird, you know, weird girl rocker emo goth phase and I used to wear to high school and like my my mom gave me so much agency as a kid as a teenager. Yeah. Um and so she was just like I understand what you're wearing but also recognize like you need to know what you are wearing. Um, but also, Jamaicans are very comfortable with, like, hypersexuality, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, like, and the expression of sexuality, as long as it's not homophobic, which is, like, or as long as it's not, like, queer, which is, we're going to get into that later, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, like, my mom, like, used to go to dance hall all the time. Like, this bitch, sorry, mom, used to wear, uh, she, I remember, like, being in the garage with her best friend, Pinky. And, like, she and Pinky would come up with the craziest outfits, dude. And they would go dance, they would go to dance hall and, like, twerk on the fucking wall and shit. And Damn. Michelle literally had a, like, booty shorts and, like, a little, like, I don't even want to call it, like, it wasn't even a vest, like, I was, like, a titty vest. And it was made out of bubble wrap. <laughs> she made an outfit out of bubble wrap and took that <laughs> Oh, my God. And she wore that. And it oh was Oh, my cute. God. So, like, me expressing myself and, like, being a hoe in high school wasn't a problem back then. Uh, but, like, I remember I wore, like, my goth boots with, like, fishnet. And like a pleated schoolgirl skirt, and like yes. I wore a like collared white tee with like short like sleeves that came to the elbow, um, that would roll up, and I like wore like a tie with it with like a tennis vest, and I would also like wear pigtails in my hair, and I thought that and like black lipstick and black nail polish. Yes, I thought that was like really cool. Is it like if I looked back then I'm like props to you and like you're 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 being authentic in yourself. But also, yeah. like, we need to re- like we need to do better. <laughs> um, and the beauty of that outfit is that I like thrifted so much of it back then. Like I'm still an avid thrifter, 
But like yeah. I thrifted a lot of that outfit. Like most of it had been pinched from like the clearance section or like found in like a in like a Goodwill or uh one of those like church uh donation centers that was also like mm. a front for mm-hmm. like, you know, shit like that. Um but yeah, I was I was a thrifter back then, dude. I mean I still am. But nice. Yeah. I love was... I love that you were as you were describing your outfit, I was like, oh shit, I, I wore that. <laughs> and oh, I also had that. Oh, and oh, and that. Yeah. And I was thinking about I probably everything but the shoes. I think I was pretty basic and was like in converse most of the time. But I not well now they say it out loud. I was in I had multiple pairs of Converse. I had all the the rainbow for mm-hmm. sure. But the fishnets and the schoolgirl skirt, man, I used to rock that all the time. That was a staple in my life. So I'm just happy that other people also played around with similar items. Um, fantastic. Fantasmic. I am going to wrap up what has been one of my favorite kitten caboodles to uh, – we're going to pivot to the the photos. I'm going to describe a photo for the audience that I'm looking at, and then I'm going to show you that photo, and you're going to tell me if I was right on the money as far as what was going on, um, and you will also explain what was really happening um, if I'm completely horribly wrong. Um, and you're also going to just give me a better sense of what, you know, who and what was going on in your life at the time. So let me pull up the photos. And then how I'll do this is I will. I'm going to text them to you. Let me see if I. Are you going to text them to me? Yes. Hit me up with your phone number. We'll obviously edit this part out. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> but uh, what's your phone number? Random question while I'm pulling this up. Is this the same number you've had since you got a phone or is it a new number? It's the same number I've had since I had a phone. Um, mm-hmm. Like literally I had my razor in high school and I stuck to that number ever since. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a question I want to ask more people because I definitely have the same number since I got my first phone. Um, and I think it's just really unique because it's like, you know, God, we're in our 30s now. <laughs> so this number is probably the longest relationship I've ever had. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I will say I downloaded Google Voice and I have like a dummy phone number for people that I don't want to text me back. <laughs> Fair. Same, 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 same. <laughs> so... The first photo that we're going to dissect is a photo that I pulled off of your Pinterest. Um, don't know how I found it. I think it was through the Google search. Uh, again, because your all your profiles have been scrubbed since your, like you mentioned earlier, 25th birthday. Um, so this is what I found in my deep dive into the interwebs. Um, Onesia is sitting cross-legged, crisscross applesauce on what looks like a rock somewhere in nature i don't know i'm gonna assume it's at arkansas um you're wearing gray shorts a white baseball t-shirt underneath maybe is that green i'm gonna say it's green a green hoodie jacket kind of thing and then she's making the like little heart hands little heart hand sign um and you look adorable and i just want to know where are you why are you communing in nature 
Um, who took the photo? Yeah, different things like that. Let me know. Yeah, so Cameron took this photo, uh, and uh, we were with our friend. I really forget his name. I think it was Zach, but I'm not sure. But he was a uh, he was he was also gay, but he was also like not okay. And I don't know if he's okay now. I hope he is, but he was mm. going through some serious things back then as well. Um, and we sure. like we all got together in his car and we like went to Devil's Den and for a hike and Cameron saw this height probably this heart-shaped rock and was just like oh my god take a picture and this is like I think maybe a week or two after I cut off all my hair uh the shorts everything I'm wearing is from high school except for the socks I think Mm -hmm. um so this the green hoodie is actually from a youth and government program that I took with the YMCA because I was in like the debate team at that time in my Mm. life and like that I wish I had that hoodie still I don't know where it is but goddamn, do I fucking miss it uh, it was like it was a solid. It was like a Hanes, like 100% cotton. Just like uh, it is like a warm baseball tee that I'm wearing. Uh, the Volcom, uh, shorts are shorts that I cut off. Um, even oh. though in high school I like wore skirts and stuff, I always wore everything with fishnet or like stockings. I never ever showed my legs in high school until senior year. Huh. And the only reason I showed my legs in senior year was because I was roller skating one day and I was wearing my. I, I was a skater. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be that kid that would literally roll into class taking off her helmet with her like braids and shit and would like skate in and like sit in my fucking seat as the bell rang um that was me in high school uh i also had a like, so really cool. cool pink cruiser back then as well uh but no i fell down skating one day and ripped my fucking favorite jeans and so i just mm. cut them off and i wore them to school one day and everyone was like oh my god your legs look amazing and i was like nervous because i never showed my legs um <laughs> And uh, yeah, uh, they look really muscly in this photo, dude. Uh, like, oh my god! Listen, like, they like, look this good. Definitely ran track, uh, which I did. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what's happening in this photo. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And it is definitely. Um, I couldn't enlarge it any more than whatever the internet was giving me. So I'm glad that I was able to like decipher all of this because it's a tiny photo, but. Um, we're going to get into the next one. Um, <laughs> so the reason why I have to pull this one up is because not only did I find a photo of you, I found a haiku deck, like a PowerPoint presentation style, oh. like slide deck. Oh my God. And it was, um, for RIC. So, um, what you mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, um, the organization that you're a part of. Um, and it's your photo and it says president. And then like all the other photos are obviously all the other people that were involved in RIC, Yeah. but you are all smiles. But what I want to point out is it looks like you're in, I don't even know, like there's like lights hanging in the background. Um, like not I don't that's not cut scaffolding but whatever the light like production lights hang off of um so I want to say you might like be in a theater or a stage so I have no idea what's going in the background of you but you're wearing really cute earrings and just like a super simple like button up um what is it called like dress shirt um and yeah it's like super close up so I don't know if this is a selfie but I don't know if we did selfies back then or someone's taking this photo because it's a good quality um, but yeah, where were you? Can you remember? Um, I was at a conference for RIC. Uh, mm. I think it was at Oklahoma State University. 
Was it Oak? Was it OSU or was it OU? Whichever one has the green and the yellow. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Whichever one had Pistol Pete. I think that's OSU. Okay. OSU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> I forget. Oklahoma's Listen. all the same to me. Right. Uh, <laughs> our apologies to anyone who's from Oklahoma on My the show. Bad. <laughs> um, I've disparaged Oklahoma much worse, so I think we're okay. Uh, continue on. <laughs> no, but this was at that university. It was like one of the final dinners for the conference. So uh, all oh. of the, um, what do you call it? All of these universities in Swakur, which is like the Southwest. Mm-hmm region of i forget the exact term i forget what Swakur stands for but southwest residents university government groups from across the region we all got together and we have a conference and the conference was at uh oklahoma and they were setting up the final dinner which they do like a congratulatory thing where they like give away awards and shit yeah and uh, someone took a picture of me and uh i missed these earrings they were really pretty um, you can't see the full beauty of them, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I had these earrings on that I loved a lot. And then the shirt is a actually a denim button up because I I they're like dressed business casual. I was like, I'm gonna push the envelope because I hate it. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like a denim mm-hmm. t-shirt or a denim button up with like, and I remember wearing brown slacks that were really they they, man, those those slacks for my booty really well. <laughs> like, and like they were like, like man, they were like glue. Uh, love it yeah, love it that's what's happening in this photo i think braylon might have taken this picture actually you know i wouldn't put i wouldn't braylon but yeah i wouldn't be surprised yeah. shout out to braylon our season one guest Hi, um and one of my best friends and who actually was the person who told me to reach out to you oh and was like hey i think you should reach out to anisia she'd be really great for the show and i'm like fuck you right bray thank you so bray. Hey. Um, okay, we got two more photos and then we'll get to the letter. Um, the second one is pretty straightforward because it looks kind of headshotty, but I want to talk about um it's a callback to what we talked about earlier in the episode, which is the way that I remember Onicia and learning about her was that everyone talked about her and that everyone knew her. Just very involved human. So this next photo is a I am the student leader of the month. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it has um, your name, that you're a senior, your hometown of Palm Desert, California, your major's communication, but this, <laughs> this doc, this like very obvious, um, well, actually, I could be wrong. It looks fake. The backdrop no, looks fake. No. It could be real. And now that I know it's real, I feel bad. But it just, it's so like hyper, um, it's just so vivid that it kind of looks like hyperimposed, like after the fact. So I'm glad that you told me this is real. But um, how are you chosen for this? Or is this something that like a supervisor put you up to? Or how did you get this option, like like, position? So one of the things, so I... Mind you, I've always gone through most of my life thinking I wasn't good enough for reasons that I could only tell to my therapist. Um, mm. But that aside, I've always strived for academic excellence and to be mm. like that, like that person you just described to be like the best and to be recognized as one of the best and to be talented. And I remember like in high school, I got student of the month and it was like the biggest thing for me ever because I'm like out of 
these 2000 some plus kids on this entire campus like I was chosen to be student of the month during my right. like my high school career and for that to happen to me during my college years in a bigger population was like also equally important to me mm. um like that is black academic excellence that's happening yeah. in this photo um but this was actually so someone nominated me it could have been one of my RIC um advisors it could have been Carrie it could have been Andrea it could have been Jack um but one of them nominated me and like the school goes through like a voting thing and an evaluation thing. Oh, also it may have been Felicia. I, mm. wow, I wouldn't put a pastor to do that. Yeah. Somebody in housing was just like, Oh, Nisi deserves this. And I'm like, I don't know why you thought that, but okay, thanks. And uh, it goes through a selection, uh, like an, like a committee. And I was selected as one of the students. And I was so surprised when I found out. Cause I'm like, really? Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being me, dude. Right. Um, but no. And this was taken, uh, I want to say by one of my advisors, it may have been Felicia, I really don't remember, um, outside of photo. the, uh, I, th- I feel like ASU, was it called ASU? Associated Student Ooh. Union. Okay, yeah, yeah, the union. Yeah, um, but like the student government for uh, this, the whole population on campus like had an office and also had like their own balcony out there somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. That was like in the union, like, and that's the white building you see in the corner is Mullins. Um, ah, the library, the, that's yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. the. I want to say like the west corner, the northwest corner of Mullins, maybe or the east. I don't know, but whatever the case may be, those trees in the background are like in the union. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's what's happening in this photo, and uh, they're like, I, I feel like I was about to go to an RIC meeting that night, and I like dressed up professionally, or what I thought was professional. Um, <laughs> one i thought was professional that's real though yeah. i think the you're wearing the same earrings maybe I are you wearing the tell. same earrings i can't tell anymore i'm squinting and i can't see no nah, these are not the same earrings okay nah. but you do look good you look good thank you i love younger I you think, i can't believe you found it i, I want to know where you found this last photo i do genuinely don't know (laughs) now that i say it out loud oh so i searched your name in facebook and so i think someone had tagged you a long time ago um, for this oh no oh yeah so this last photo is um onicia she is again in nature she's out here y'all in in communing with the elements Mm. um but she has as far as outfit goes pretty simple some blue jeans, um, a crop top, a little uh, what probably is like a sports bra strap is showing a little bit. Um, but it's what you're holding is is the most uh, important part. You are holding what looks like a gun, a rifle maybe. A rifle. Um, and then what's in the – I think your hand – your other hand is holding – is that fruit? That's is fruit. that an apple? That's a fruit. It's a fruit. Um, but I think this might be – I'm assuming this is your first time, like, shooting. I feel like that's yeah the vibe you're giving me. So yeah. tell me what is really happening. Oh, my God. So this was after I – or maybe – no, this was after I graduated because we hadn't even – so this is actually with my ex-boyfriend's family. Oh. That's why I was like, whose account is this still on? Because I thought I scrubbed all of it. Um, so my guess, if it's his account, I'd be really surprised, but I'm willing to bet it's his mom's account, which hasn't scrubbed this. I'm like, I don't know what's going on there. That's, that's, that's something. Cause I don't, it I is, don't, I deleted this Facebook account. It is on Facebook. Fuck it, dude. Fuck it. 
so I decided to move to Texas to live with my ex because his family wanted him to work down there. Okay. And uh, I was like, I like want to be with you. We're going to do this. And he's like, all right, cool. And so we did it. And I was in Texas for eight months before I moved to Kansas City. Um, and those were eight very, 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 very long, strenuous months. Wow. But uh, they had a piece of they had some land they owned out there. Um, I don't really know how many acres, but it was it was it was a pretty it was a large piece of property, um, oh. large enough to be like shooting and like the neighbors probably wouldn't even hear it. Wow. And they were gun toting Texas. They were they were Republicans. They had a magazine called the Muzzle Loader, uh, oh past God. tense, and like they were like, like Megan. Sorry, I don't know if that's for you. I don't know. I just called you that. I know, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry. But, like, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing in Texas. I was going to ask you what, what, what? I really, I really, what? I really, really loved this man at this point in time. Oh, um, But, no, his family was, like, you know, like, they were gun toters and they were pro-gun. And I understood the importance of guns because I, like, I, but as, as a black woman, not as, like, a white person. But like sure. as a, a, a true defense mechanism to protect yourself, sure. uh, because to be black in America is to be in a constant state of a threat. Um, mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. I re- remember reading like Negroes with Guns, which is a beautiful book. Uh, I forget by who, but like I feel like everyone should to understand why black people should have gun ownership um, and register with the NRA is like the like if we all did that, if every single black citizen owned a gun right now in America, I guarantee you gun control would like be like that. It would be mm. like no one gets to have guns anymore, um, and like I remember like the Black Power movement and reading about it and studying these things. Like, so for me, like holding a gun in this moment was also very iconic and important to me. Yeah, but for them, it makes it meant something entirely different from what it meant to me in this moment. But wow. this was a I don't think it was a muzzleloader; it was an actual rifle. Um, and it was my first time shooting, and there was no like there's no fancy lens here. Literally, is like a little piece of metal that has like a window in it and mm. you, you like you use that little tiny window in the rifle to aim and i probably shot about 30 40 feet out that orange i'm holding in my hand and i shot oh. it over and over again so basically i've got 2020 vision not mean not really but like if i need to <laughs> pop a cap at somebody with a rifle i probably could um but that's what's happening in this photo uh that's Bill's arm that's uh it's probably the most quietest white man I've ever met in my entire life uh mm. that's his dad's arm and uh, that's on the trail that's to their property but uh wow. that was like, the first time i actually like truly saw why people would like get excited about guns and his mom was given an ar-15 for her birthday oh shit and they, like i don't know if that was her birthday or like a, but that was like the week of and we like we all they had like fancy headphones that you could put on to like cancel out the noise so you could oh still hear God. the gunshot but like it wouldn't like make you deaf and they like we spent like an hour an hour and a half just shooting guns and shooting cans like right there by the shed holy shit yeah i was brave holy shit you were brave this is in retrospect this could have been honestly like just another version of get out like i listen but like low-key high-key kind of was though right i mean we could we could talk about that if you want to i won't name i mean i already named some names but i'm i'm really trying to be gracious right now uh it's challenging oh my god i can imagine I can imagine, oh y'all. God. I'm happy oh I'm not God. there anymore. All right, yeah. that's, and we can leave it at that. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> we're in a better oh, place. Damn, I need to fish with the whiskey real quick. 
<laughs> Take a sip. Take a Lay the letter sip. on me, boo. <laughs> Whoo. All right. Thank you, Onisia. I loved Kit and Caboodle with you. This is fantastic. Um, we will come back with the letter. The letter. The letter is up next, y'all. Stay with us. Hey, y'all, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of In Retrospect. But before we get into the letter, I wanted to say a quick thank you to the patrons who support this show via Patreon, or as we like to call them, fan stands and rider dies. Quick thank you and much love to Caitlin Bryant, Lauren Wilson, Frank Nasso, Tava Bingham, Alondra Olvera, Zach Wright, and Kim Murphy. If you're wondering how you can support In Retrospect, go to www.patreon.com slash in retrospect. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash in retrospect. Here at In Retrospect, we like our guests to have the last word. Onisia, if you could write a letter to your younger self, what would you say? Dear Onisia, you're still alive. You're almost 30 which is fucking crazy to think about. But everything you've ever wanted is about to come true. Can you believe that? We fucking did it, baby girl. We're so close to the finish line that we'll have to start dreaming bigger. I know you're a stubborn kid, but you're also really smart. You are so incredibly smart, and I wish you didn't downplay that as often as you did. I know you do it to protect yourself, but you really shouldn't. It doesn't help but you'll figure that out soon enough. I want to tell you that you're on the right track. Things will get extremely hard. You will break again and again and again. Your world will your world will crumble as it had several times since you lost your father. Do not let that shake you. Your resilience will save you because you are you. You are you, baby girl. You will feel lost at times, but as long as you pick yourself up and keep moving, you will find your way back to yourself. Um, some advice. Floss more. For real, keep that shit by your bed and floss when you're watching cartoon reruns. Drink more water for fuck's sake. (laughs) Use soap and water to wash your face and wear sunscreen. Those makeup wipes are doo-doo. Stay away from dirty white boys. You won't listen, but please try. For the love of God, please try. The fan fiction doesn't get any better, but still read it. Make out with more people. Pee after sex. And don't stop writing poetry. It will lead you to a path that you once thought impossible as a little girl. And the pa- and that path is how you free yourself and live the life you've always dreamed of. Have the audacity. I know you already do, but radically have the audacity. As Devin once said, you're one of the ballsiest people in the room. Don't lose that. You are worthy. I know you don't think that right now, and it will take you places you don't want to be. But when you realize you are truly worthy, everything is infinitely better. Start going by Onesia, and tell motherfuckers how to pronounce your name every damn time. Every damn time. And last, but certainly not least, do not ever stop dreaming. You are the most imaginative person I know. I'm so proud of all that you are and all that you will be with every fiber of my being. I love you. I love you so, so, so much. 
You are the most precious thing to me, and one day you will see that. XO Onesia. P.S. For real, stay away from dirty white boys. You've been listening to In Retrospect with me, Meg Sanga. My guest this week was Onesia the Artist. You can check out Onesia's work at www.onesia.com or follow her on Instagram at Onesia, O-N-N-I-S-S-I-A. In Retrospect is created and hosted by me, Meg Sanga. Editing and mixing by Shay Willard. Transcript and show notes by our favorite librarian, Mary Taylor Coley. Booking and outreach by Bryant Wynn. Our executive producers are Danian Zueto and Corey Davis. Cover art by Andrew Engstadt. Special thanks to Maven Leadership Collective, iFundWomen, and my fan stands and rider dies supporting me via Patreon. If you like in retrospect, follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. For our episode transcripts, show notes, and even more nostalgic fun, head to www.inretrospect.com.